Hello, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Coming Back Home podcast. I'm your host, Amber Rashid, and I full-heartedly invite you on this beautiful adventure. Each week, we will take a journey in exploring different topics in the world of plant medicine and natural healing remedies. My intention is to bring awareness and shed light onto what plant medicine is, helping shift the perspective that these sacred plants are not a drug, but rather a divine and intelligent medicine. It's a concentrated drop of nature that carries ancient wisdom and knowledge from thousands and thousands of years ago to help the collective conscious expand, grow, and heal. It's a calling back home to the essence of our soul, who we are, and who we are called to be in this lifetime. Welcome back, my brothers and sisters, to the eighth episode of the Coming Back Home podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and joining me on this beautiful adventure. I feel so humbled and so grateful for all the unconditional love and support that I continue to receive and I wouldn't be on this journey without you all. Today, I'm very excited to have my brother, Sean Rashid, joining me on this episode. Sean is not only my younger brother, but one of my best friends and truly one of my role models in this life. He is someone that inspires me to be a better person every single day and to really live from my heart and follow my dreams and my passions as he is in his own life. And it really just gives me so much encouragement and so, so much also trust in myself to like really follow my heart and not worry about all the doubts and fears of what other people may say or think. Sean is truly someone that is a leader and that really, you know, lives by what he says and embodies who he is and really truly and honestly walks the talk. And I'm just so grateful to have him in my life and as my brother. And I love you so much, Sean. In this episode, we cover several topics and all around plant medicine. But first, we start off with Sean's journey and how he got on to discovering and receiving the calling of plant medicine and how that evolved into our whole family embarking on this beautiful adventure. We also discuss different types of medicines and some type of the experiences that one could have. And furthermore, we talk about Sean's experience with Iboga and how that has led him to living out his passions and dreams. He is home-based in California, where he is practicing and pursuing a professional race car driving career. And at the moment, his home base is the Thermal Club, where he practices every week his driving. And at the moment, he's currently living in the UK and driving for Ammonite Motorsport in the 2022 BRCC Formula Ford 1600 National Championship team and will be based out there till the end of the year. So I'm very excited to have Sean on this episode with me because not only is he my family and we've just experienced so much together in life and with the plant medicine, but he just carries so much knowledge and so much wisdom And I feel that his experience and his insights and rememberings from his journeys are very valuable and would also be 
useful to someone that may be listening and to other people in the world and could resonate with someone as well. So he just has a beautiful perspective of life in general. And I really believe he's such an old soul. And I just enjoy our conversations, our daily conversations in general, and they really inspire me. And so I just wanted to bring him on so he could share his knowledge and what he's enjoyed and experienced with plant medicine thus far. So with that, welcome, Sean, to the episode. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you and to talk about your journey and everything that you've experienced so far. Here on the Coming Back Home podcast. And we welcome now the one and only Sean Rashid. How are you? Hey, thanks. I'm doing great. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, everything's good. Do you wanna do you wanna explain a little bit how you got onto plant medicine and how you got the whole family the ball rolling? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I guess yeah, it's kind of a long story, but basically, I was back at Purdue University. I was studying industrial engineering at the time, and I was always a really good student and uh, always got straight A's and everything and throughout all my collegiate education and then uh, was always good at math and science and everything. So I kind of figured, you know, like I'll go into engineering. And so I did that and, you know, started off in aerospace engineering, as you know, and then absolutely loved just, it. <laughs> absolutely loved it. I knew it was my calling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just started struggling a lot, um, was really unhappy. And, well, you know, all the kids around me were kind of, you know, we'd have these math problems. They give us like three math problems to take home. And each one would take, you know, three or five pages worth of work. And I remember being extremely miserable. And then I'd come into class 7.30 a.m. And I'd hear kids next to me talking like, oh, wasn't that homework so much fun? <laughs> and it was at that point, that point that I knew I was probably in the wrong major. And the easiest thing to do for me was, I guess, to switch into industrial engineering because it was you just do so much more with that engineering. Um, so I did that and still found myself being like really unhappy and was just kind of really lost, I guess. Didn't really know I was lost, but it, mm -hmm. all of it just kind of started, you know, I'd been lost throughout all of college, but it wasn't until I got to the end where I was starting to look for jobs. And it kind of hit me then that it was going to be really important for me to do something that I loved. And because just for me, if I ever, unless it was something that I really loved doing, I found it really easy not to stay focused on it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, I need to figure out what, what makes me happy. What do I love doing? And engineering just isn't it. So those are the kind of thoughts I was having at that point in time. And then I had gone to um, a music festival with my best friend um, in college named uh, Herrera, Michael Herrera. And it was a festival called Electric Forest. And basically, if I don't know if anyone listening has ever been, but it's this really, really beautiful music festival in Michigan every summer. And it was the first time I'd been to a space where everyone was just so, so nice. 
everyone's, you know, happy forests and people are just coming up to you and saying like, I love you and random stuff like that. And it was just really nice. And I had, um, you know, just a spiritual experience and kind of opened my eyes to like, you know, psychedelics being like a drug to like, Oh, there's something more here. Like I'd only heard about this being a drug, but this experience I had was something so profound and like the connectedness I felt to everyone and just like the oneness and the beauty and like these things like, you know, it's just all about love. And, um, I just had, I like would turn to my friend at the stage and I was like, you know, Rivera, all I want in the world is for all my friends and family to feel exactly what I feel right now. And so left that. Do you remember calling me and trying to explain that you had yeah. this experience? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, and, uh, and I remember I was like, okay, Sean just had a really good time at a music festival. I have no idea what he's experiencing, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny because now, you know, it's like mm -hmm. trying to explain the unexplainable almost to someone who's never had that type of experience. It's almost like you just sound like kind of like a crazy person. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm happy for you, but okay. Exactly. Um. So I left there and uh, picked up this book. I was in the airport coming back to Atlanta to go back home. And I was at the airport and I never read. And for some reason, I was like walking through this bookstore and I saw this book called How to, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. And so I picked it up and started reading it. And it was like one of those books I just couldn't put down. And I read the whole thing. And it's, you know, you've talked about it on your podcast before. It's basically about psychedelics and their their use and how they're not just drugs, but the science behind them and the, the benefits these, these psychedelics can have for our health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was really struggling and I guess I had kind of seen like the light, like a tiny little bit of light. And I was like, Ooh, that's really interesting. So I read this book and he started talking about ayahuasca and at the time I didn't really understand it, but like now I've come to understand that all these different plant medicines have a spirit and they call to you in different ways. And so it's like almost as soon as it can get your, like your mind's attention, your soul's like, okay, yes, now like stop. Don't, you're not allowed to stop looking at it until you go there. Yeah. And so I just started listening to all these podcasts and all these YouTube videos, all these documentaries on ayahuasca and was watching this one documentary and come to find out that, there was this ayahuasca retreat center right by where we grew up in Costa Rica. And so I was like, Oh my God, this is just like 15 minutes away. This is just a sign. It's too, you know, it, there's no coincidence with this. It, it has to be a sign. So at that point in time, I mean, you know, mom and dad, yeah. the amazing parents, but like, I was like, there's no way that they're going to let me go, <laughs> go do this psychedelic. Like, they, you know, they just never did any of that stuff. They didn't think it was good for you. Totally understandable given like the culture and education around all this stuff. But so my plan was, I was like, okay, I'm driving back up to Purdue with mom. So I am like all these podcasts that really inspired me. And it was like people on the, on like a podcast, like we're doing now talking to someone and explaining you know, their perceptions of ayahuasca beforehand and how it changed their life and what the experience was like and how it's changed them going forward. 
and a lot of really beautiful people, you know, just talking about how, what a blessing the medicine's been. And so we spent like the eight hour car ride, just listening to podcasts after podcasts. And, you know, like one would end them on and be like, okay, put another one. <laughs> like, I don't even have another one, but I can find one. And so, uh, we get like, we get like half of the way through the drive and just randomly this podcast is going and mom's like, so when are you trying to go? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I want to go like, you know, I can't remember how long it was, maybe like two months or something. Uh-huh. And she's like, okay, okay. I want to go too. I was <laughs> like, what? You want to go too? She's like, yeah, I think it would be really good. And I was like, all right, well that's, you know, I was shooting just for you to give me a yes, but if you want to go great, I think it'd be great for all of us. And so then, you know, and then I remember telling you about it and then you're like, I owe what? Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I think I remember you were, you were home and I was home for break before going back to school. And you said, yeah, we're going to go do this as a family in December. And I was like, okay, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, no idea, completely clueless at the time. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so then I just kind of got everything booked. And then I think once everything was booked, and we're, we're like, you know, paying with dad's credit card, obviously. And like, dad's like, what are we like, what are you signing up for? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we're all going, <laughs> you know, just kind of roping dad into it. Like, we're all going to this retreat. And dad's like, okay, you know how dad is He's such like a great father and like loving person. He's just like, well, if the family's going, then I guess I'm going to, you know, yeah, they're going to get left behind. Yeah. And so, uh, but you know, it was funny you know, I don't think it really started hitting anyone until like we had a couple of weeks till we were going to go. Yeah. And at that point, everyone had to get like on a dieta, like the dieta, you know, clean your body out and do all this thing. And it was once I started doing that, I was like, okay, this is like going to be real. Yeah. And, uh, then, yeah. And then next thing, because I don't know if it got real for dad until before we walked into the Maloka. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So for, <laughs> for, for, uh, those of you who don't know my dad, um, yeah, basically we went to Costa Rica to this retreat center and, you know, they did really good about like having classes beforehand to educate you on everything. But my dad, he's from Pakistan, speaks perfect English, but like can sometimes just like zone out if it's not something he's super interested in. So like, he'll be listening. And then afterwards he'll be like, what were they saying or like what was going on? So it was happening after all these classes and, you know, we're all trying our best to explain to him, like, you know, this is what's going to happen. Blah, blah. We have no and idea what's going on. Yeah. And we ourselves have no idea. Right. And like, so we get, if we were like standing in the line outside the Maloka and all like our uh, ceremonial wear and everything, and we're about to walk in. <laughs> My dad's like, so are we like smoking something or what are we doing? It's <laughs> like, all right, all right. Drunk? And I was like, no, I don't think it's going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, all you need to know is you're going to drink this stuff might not taste that good. And you're going to get more drunk as you say, than you've ever been in your entire life. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess we were wrong. It's just like a, what do they call it? The, um, spiritual drunkenness or what? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And you know, it's just been a blessing ever since, uh, n- never had, a, I, I imagined to begin with that I would have gone with my whole family, but as you know, it's like, it's led you on this path to do doing what you are now. And it also set me on a path to like figure out what I wanted to do and just brought our family so much closer. And, you know, I've, 
a lot of people, you know, it's very common. You get the question all the time too. It's like, you know, you tell people that you go do ayahuasca and it's one thing. And then you tell them that you went and did it with your whole family. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, what is that like? Like even people that have done ayahuasca, they're like, I can't imagine having done it with my whole family. Like what a blessing. And you know, what is it like? And I always tell them, you know, it is really beautiful um, going to do it with your family. But the thing is like any plants, plant medicine or animal medicine ceremony that you're going to go do, you're not working together per se. All the work you're doing is on yourself. And, you know, even when you're in ceremony and your family's in the same room, you like might hear them occasionally, but like you're really so and like your vision is so inward that you're just having your complete own experience. And the beautiful part is like you're working on yourself. And when you work on yourself, your relationships with everyone around you get so much better. Yeah. And so like for our family, I feel like we, we all just healed so many different traumas and different little issues that we had. And by doing that, our relationships with each other just got so much better. We're just so much better at communicating and that's not to say that obviously we don't have arguments and fights sometimes, but now they're much shorter lived. They're not taken personally. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, you know, it's been such a blessing for us. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget one of the most beautiful experiences or like visions, I guess I've had was my very first one on ayahuasca. And right, like my first, when I started, you know, becoming pretty drunk on the medicine and tripping pretty hard it took me to a really blissful place and really beautiful place. And it was the exact same feeling that I had my first kind of spiritual experience with psychedelics back at that music festival. It was like the same exact feeling and it showed me. And obviously I can't, it's really hard to explain, but it showed me, it took me back to that moment when I had said, I just wish that my friends and family could experience exactly what I'm feeling right now. And it took me to that moment and it said, you know, see that wish that you made there was a seed that you planted that led to your family being here right now, feeling the exact same emotion that you had wished for. And it showed me like how that seed like spread roots throughout my life and how it caused all of these chain of events that led me to that moment right then and there. And I started crying because it was just so beautiful. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'll never, ever forget that. And it was cool because it told me, you know, you think you came here for yourself, but you also came here in the service of others. Mm -hmm. By you coming here, you'll be able to touch the lives of so many more and you being, and you know, now looking back, it was like, it showed me that that thought, not only did it lead to me being there, but it led to our family being there. Then it led to like our, you know, our extended family going, our different friends going. So it's kind of been like a tree that's just like branched out into this beautiful, like awakening and remembrance of who we are and uh, just such a blessing. And, you know, that tree just continues to grow to this day. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, just goes to show how your words and words and thoughts manifest, you know, and why they're so important. And I, I just smiling because I remember when that night when you came over to share what you experienced and I was crying so bad and I was like, I am not getting any of this. And this guy <laughs> came and said, you're doing a great job, Amber. And I was looking at him like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, oh man, but now it's, it's like. No, it's, you know, and that's the other thing about the experience is like, 
like you're saying, it's so, even for me, the other times I'd gone back or like the next night, you know, I wouldn't really experience anything. And they talk about, and the classes, you know, there's like the, what is it called? The, uh, the vision jealousy or like the experience jealousy. And it's like, you know, someone explains like this crazy mystical experience they had and like this awakening and this healing. And you're like, shit, I didn't get any of that. Like, <laughs> I didn't get any of that. What is wrong? I didn't drink enough medicine. Uh, something I didn't do right. And then, you know, it's easy to be really hard on yourself and being like, you know, I wasn't, I just wasn't centered enough or I wasn't like relaxing enough or I wasn't letting go enough or, and, you know, I think it's through experience with working with the plant medicine that you realize once you come to the understanding that every single thing happens for a reason, even if you don't have like a crazy experience, that doesn't mean it was meaningless. And a lot of the times there's stuff that's going on that you may not even realize the cleaning out or the realigning you. So you like things just getting in points and align so that for your next experience, it's even bigger or more powerful. Um, that was really important for me too. Cause I just like, like you're saying, I had nights where like we would all share afterwards and I was just like sitting there all grumpy and stuff because I was just like rolling around, like all frustrated that I wasn't able to like keep still or anything mm-hmm. like that. And then, you know, it's just, it's all about going with the flow, just yeah. relaxing. And the medicine gives you what you need, not what you want. And- yeah, exactly. And not going with expectation. I think that's when you're, you know, you're seeing everyone around you. And then it's, that's also not really seeing you're like holding on to that control because you want to control every situation. So that, that in itself is just a lesson. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah I think. Now, no, we are just so blessed. I really, you know, I was just thinking about you when you were saying, you know, when we tell other people that we do this as a family and for, I guess for me, I, um, I tend not to, normal I don't know if normalized is the right word but like I I just feel like it's such a big it's so integrated with our family that I just I'm like oh yeah yeah that's what we do and other people it's like yeah. what and but yeah we are really really blessed really blessed yeah and you know I think and you know the thing is like I really feel like it should be a normal thing like this mm-hmm. you know it is abnormal in the sense of like where our society and culture is at right now. I think that's changing, but I think our family is really good role model for others of like what it should be like, like this type of healing is normal and doing these things as a family is normal. And I think the more and more people see that, the more and more it helps them understand that as well. Oh, Because there, there's so many like friends I've even talked to and they're like, Oh, I would never want to do that with my mom or dad. Or like, I can never you know, do that with my parents. And like, I always like, you know, it's nice for me because there was a point in time when I felt like that. And it's nice to be able to relate to them and be like, you know, I felt exactly how you did, but this is where I'm at now. And I think you would really change your mind if you did this. And you know, that doesn't mean that you know, your first time you go do something, you have to go do it with your family. Like if it's something that, you know, you want to go do first and have your own experience, I think that's great too. It might even help your family who's uncomfortable seeing the change in you, inspire them to want to go do it too. I mean, it's a little unrealistic to expect um, everyone to want to go do it at once. And that goes back to expectations, just like you you were saying, you know, that's just with life. You just can't put expectations on anything. You just have to let you know, go with the flow on what the universe is giving you and don't expect it to be one way or the other. 
yeah, you know, your whole family going, your whole family not going, your girlfriend going, your, your boyfriend not going, your friends going, your friends not going, how your ceremonial experience is going to be because one person said theirs was going to be like that. And uh, that was a big lesson for me because I had all these expectations coming out of our first trip to ayahuasca. And I was, you know, I had, it just changed me so much and I felt so light and beautiful and my whole vision on everything had changed. And I was like, all right, I have found the answer. The answer is ayahuasca. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, I'm going to spread the word of ayahuasca to everyone and everyone needs to do ayahuasca. And so, uh, you know, I was like, you know, all my friends, I was like, you guys need to go do ayahuasca. Like you have to do this. And like, and you know, naturally you find that when you really push people to go do something, their reaction is to push back. Yeah. And so if you really have a beautiful experience, the best thing you could possibly do is not push them to do something. Just be, be the change that you've become. And if they start coming to you with questions or, you know, you see a little spark of interest, then that's something you can nurture and, you know, entertain and kind of, um, guide them. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, lead them. Yeah. Breadcrumbs. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, you know, ayahuasca or even plant medicine itself isn't meant for everyone. Like that's the beautiful thing about life is that you're here in this life to live the journey. And I, my belief is that, you know, we're all here to remember who we are and that that's God essentially. And so we're all on this hero's journey, all coming back to the same realization, but the path and the journey of how you get there, that's the special thing about life because it's so individualistic. And so while it might, might have been plant medicine for you and me and our family, I was, I would speak to people and, you know, there's all these truths that you come to remember in ceremony. And I say, remember, because, you know, I don't really, you know, from my belief, you don't come here to learn. You come here to remember, like we come from a place of complete knowing, and then we forget when we come back here. And so this is just the process of remembering. And so in ceremony, you remember all these different truths. And I would, you know, talk to friends or even strangers, just speaking my truth. So like these different things about life and realizing that like, oh, these people have come to the same realizations, the same truths, but through completely different experiences, like completely different situations. And that was the point where I was like, okay, I need to like not be pushing my experience onto other people because, you know, that's just not what life's all about. Yeah. And you just embody it and people feel the energy. And then when they're Mm -hmm. ready, you know, maybe they'll come and maybe they won't. And that's why, you know, God gave us so many different tools and modalities for, you know, what works for one person might not work for another. And that's totally okay. But I totally, I totally resonate and get what you're saying. Cause when you have such a profound experience, like, Oh my God, I want everyone to experience this, you know? And Mm -hmm. like the world be so different, especially and like, I resonate with you're saying, you know, in college, I was very lost. I even went and got my master's. I only resonated with half of my master's. I loved my business classes, but public policy, uh, don't want to have anything to do with, <laughs> with government. And like, you know, Amber the senator. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it just, you know, it gives you so much clarity and so much direction. And also, you know, some people, um, also resonate with one, one medicine. Others, some people might really like mushrooms, for example, they've been, you know, ayahuasca 
might not be their calling or like i know you you did a boga i for me a boga is <laughs> really masculine uh yeah one day i'll get there but it's just you gotta listen to the everyone has an individual calling and whatever that is it's calling to you and go for it and it's okay to yeah. be scared you know that's that's yes 100 percent. yeah and uh, you know for me like even rape like you know you and me we did rape before we started this podcast and every time i do rape there's like a small bit of fear and it's not like, you know, it's not a fear. Like I'm scared. It's more like a fear of like, just understand it's a respect for the medicine and understanding how powerful it is. And so like a fee, a little bit of fear is a natural part of any ceremony you go into. And also a part of that, it's your ego, you know, your ego is, has fear surrounding the medicine because the medicine's natural thing is to dissolve the ego and the ego doesn't want to not exist. So it's very normal for the ego to be fearful and start doing, you know, start talking to you and being like, do we really want to do this? Like, are you sure? Like, this might be really scary. Like Mm -hmm. you might not come out the same, like blah, blah, you might die. Like all this stuff to try and convince you not to do it. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Do you want, do you want to talk about, I remember one of your experiences. Um, I I don't know if I remember correctly, but when I don't know that your ego or you were, the medicine was telling you to thank your ego because of when young, when you were younger and you're getting bullied and you didn't, you don't need it anymore. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Cause I think it's, yeah. So there, I had a one ceremony. I can't remember which one. I think it was the first time that we had done ayahuasca and, you know, we did it four nights in a row. So it was one of those. And in middle school, I had been bullied a lot. And, you know, I, I think during that time, you know, the ego serves a purpose for everyone. And that is like to build some part of you to help you at a moment in time. But the problem with the ego is that it doesn't let go. So your ego builds up all these part of parts of you that like in the moment serve you. But when, when the time passes and those things that's built no longer serve you, they just stay and they end up affecting for your whole life. And so the medicine had showed me, you know, back when I was in middle school and I had been bullied a lot, my ego had built up this part of me that was like this little bit more, more angry and, you know, willing to fight back and not let people push me around. And so I built up this like tougher part of me. And, but that once I had grown out of that phase of my life, that anger and that, like that part of me stayed with me and it only got, you know, stronger and more bitter and was affecting me in ways I didn't know. I mean, I mean, you know, I was like, you know, it's funny and especially in university, I was for the most of it, I was such an angry person and didn't really realize it. I was getting in fights with people all the time. Um, yeah, very defensive. You know, I wasn't ever like just looking to go out and punch someone, but I would just like wait for someone to say something to me to give me an excuse to fight them. And it was getting bad, you know, and there was times where I like completely busted on my face and like you guys came up there and it was just really sad for everyone to see. And that was all that anger it showed me was all the way back from when I got bullied and then, you know, that those like micro traumas that happened back then. And, you know, it's so funny because after, you know, I was in a fraternity and was around a lot of people who knew me. And after I came back from ayahuasca, 
there's all these people who had like hated me, really didn't like me because they saw me as like a really angry person, you know, just like a big buff, you know, I was working out a lot, big buff, like angry dude. And, uh, you know, I came back and was just such a, like healed all this parts of me. So I just really didn't have any of that anger anymore. And so they're like, you know, people like just coming up to me all the time, you know, at parties or just hanging out in my apartment. They're like, dude, I just, you're just like a completely different person. Like we left for like a month and I feel like you're just a completely different person. Like I don't even know you. And it's like, it's amazing. Like, I think you're a great person. And it was cool because those interactions were also like sparked their curiosity. They're like, mm-hmm. what could be, what, what experience could you have had that was so powerful that like you're a completely different person now. And that was just like a cool icebreaker into going into like the plant medicine and maybe sparking their curiosity and everything. But yeah, it's, you know, that's the thing about plant medicine. You know, I, I had been living my life with something that I had no idea. Like you think of your past and you're like, that's my past. Like that's mm-hmm. just gone. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us don't realize that even the smallest little things like your parents hitting you or, you know, you getting, we know yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Yelled at, you know, smallest little things can, your ego can quickly manifest these parts of you and they just stay. And the beautiful part of the medicine is that it takes you to that and then allows you. So this, I guess this all gets back to what you were saying about the love. And so the medicine, my way of getting rid of that, you know, I was spending a long part of ceremony, really angry and like frustrated. And I was just like, I just want to get rid of it. Like, you know, like F you, like you don't serve me anymore. Like get the hell out of me, like all this stuff. And it just was not working. And then I just had this, like inner voice that was like, no, that's not the way it works. Like if you, your ego is a part of you, like, and don't hate on your ego because your ego is not doing anything to like be mean to you or be detrimental. It's doing things to try and help you. It just doesn't know when to let it go. And so that's your responsibility. Like you take responsibility for the fact that you did not help your ego, let it go at the time when it no longer served you take that responsibility and now to get rid of it say show love to that part of you because that part of you served you at some point in time show love to it and say thank you but i know i love you and i appreciate what you did for me but you no longer serve me and at that point then it was just like a wave of like you know relaxation and i had this beautiful moment where like i just got you know really cold And so I just went underneath my blanket and like into fetal position and then was just like twitching and like my feet, you know, like babies move their feet together and stuff. And it was just kind of like moaning and stuff. And then all of a sudden I got like, I must've been doing that for like an hour or something just out of the blanket and just felt like complete was complete sense of like self-love, like more, like I just loved myself so much and like what a beautiful person I am. And then all of a sudden I got super hot and Carla was sweating. So I just like threw my blanket off and took a deep breath. And it was like, oh my gosh, I think I was just like reborn. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, going back into the, into the fetus and then coming out and like being reborn. And, uh, it was just so funny because once I did that, that was like three fourths of the way through ceremony. And it really connected me with like my inner child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they talked to us, a lot in ceremony about your inner child. It never leaves. It's just there in the background. And we just build up more and more layers 
distance between us and them so that we're not really communicating, but they're always watching kind of like if, I don't know if anyone has ever seen that movie. Um, Oh, what's that? Let's take it to a different level. But that movie, the, the, the sunken place, the sunken place from that, that horror movie where like the guy gets like put into his own head and like, he can only see, but he can't do anything. Oh no, I don't think I've seen that one, but yeah. Uh, Anyways, but it's like the sunken place. Like, you know, your, 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 your inner child is there and it's only able to watch. And so like, I had like brought him back up into the forefront of my existence and the rest of the ceremony, it sounds crazy, but you know, well, nothing sounds crazy. medicine, But I was just having conversations with like my inner child and we were just like playing and like my voice changed. And ever since that ceremony, my laugh has changed too. Like I giggle, like I like I giggle, like, and you do too now. Like, <laughs> and like literally I'll laugh and I'll just like giggle. And I never, ever giggled since I was a kid and I still do it today. Like I still giggle, but really a beautiful experience. And that, you know, that whole thing taught me that like how important it is to realize that like your inner child is always there. So when like you're saying stuff, And I always tell my friends, I catch them on what they say. And like, you know, they say things like, well, I'm just stupid. So like, I can't do this or I'm just this, or I'm just done. Like, don't say those things Mm -hmm. because your inner child is listening. And when you say I am stupid, you're saying to that inner child in you that they're stupid. And just like you would never go up to a little child and be like, you're dumb Mm -hmm. or you're ugly or you're any of these other things, you would never do that. So don't say it to yourself because like you're hurting yourself by doing that. You're hurting the inner child in you and they can hear that and they can feel that and it affects you. Yeah. So like, and, and then, you know, that goes into the whole part of like how powerful our words are as well, because Harry Potter got it right. Let me tell you, because <laughs> words have power and words yeah. are like magic. I mean, yeah. seriously, we are creative beings here on earth to create through our thoughts and our words. And so when you say things like I am this, or I am that, those are statements of who you are. And those are ultimately statements that manifest and create. So you have to be really, really careful about what you say, not only to yourself, but also to others and what you put out there, because, you know, it's really cool. Our science is coming really close to spirituality at this point. And there's a lot of things that are connecting and, you know, there's a law of thermodynamics, the energy can never be created nor destroyed. Mm -hmm. And science is understanding that our thoughts are energy, energy waves, and they don't get destroyed. So when you think something, it goes out into the universe, out into our world, and just keeps going on forever and never and ever and ever and never goes away. Yeah. So like that out comes back to you too. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's why you just have to be so careful about what you think and what you say, because those things do make a difference. And, you know, you'll also find like when you stop saying bad things about yourself, you just generally start feeling better because ultimately all those bad things you say about yourself, those are not truths. Those are lies that maybe you've made up about yourself to feel more comfortable about the situation you're in, or maybe someone else had said that about you. And all of a sudden you became to believe it, but ultimately they're not your truths. So there's no point in keeping them around if they're not your truths. Yeah. That's why affirmations are so important to, I mean, if you go in my bathroom, I have like 15 affirmations on my mirror and that's, I think also like self-love, you know, and a lot of, and the book that you gave to me, um, conversations with God, 
It's so, yeah. it's so good. And it talks about how there's only love and fear. And so you just realize that, yep. <laughs> by the way, everyone that's listening this book, who is it by, Sean? It's by Neil Donald Walsh. And it's called The Complete Conversations with God, An Uncommon Dialogue. This book is really good. I highly recommend it. It's about uh, a guy who was going through a hard time in his life and was basically just, you know, always saying, kind of playing the victim mode. Why me? Why is this happening to me? And just kind of in that state of mind. And he loved journaling. And so one day uh, he basically started channeling God and God basically told him, we're going to write this book together. And I want you to ask me every single question that you have, because every single question that you have is a question that everyone in this world has. And I just started reading it. I know you've, you've gone more into the book than I have, but mm -hmm. it's, it's just really beautiful. And it, it, like the part that I'm at, it's just in the beginning, but God talks about how there's only love and fear. And I think that, you know, it all goes, it all stems back to love. And the, the thing about the plant medicine, the beautiful thing is like what Sean was saying is that it takes you back to that point in trauma of where it all began. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know if you, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I also really highly recommend this book. I've already bought it for a couple of my friends and it's just a really cool book because it is a spiritual book. And, you know, even for me, you know, it's called the complete conversations with God and God is a trigger word for a lot of people. Yeah. And it was for me too, honestly, even before reading this book, like I didn't, I didn't like to use the word God. Um, just, you know, I would use the word great spirit or the oneness or, you know, any, any of the other words that describe the same thing, but you know, the word God had, you know, I think it was, you know, religion uses the word God a lot. And I always felt like, you know, you know, I, I think religions are beautiful in their essence and in their core because all religion and it's very essence and its core is spirituality. But the problem with a lot of religion is that they've been manipulated and, you know, taken advantage of by different people in power to get what they want out of people or manipulate them. And, you know, the thing about religion is that God and that the essence of all religion, it's unlimited. It's, it's infinite. It's just this incredible mass of infinite information tr and truth. And you get to experience a little bit of that when you go into plant medicine and everything. And that's why a lot of the times, you know, you have a ceremony and you realize all these things and you have all this beauty and all these understandings, and all these truths, and then you come out of it. And as you're slowly like sobering up and you're coming back to this reality, it's like things start slipping away and like, you can't remember them anymore. And it's because that information is so profound and infinite that it's just impossible to like come down to this base reality, which is so much more limited and simple than what the true essence of the universe is. And so a lot of religion, it's trying to take this infinite mass of information and try to fit it all into like a tiny little box of understanding of human understanding. And naturally when you try to fit, it, fit something infinite into something finite and limited, things get cut off and misunderstood and misinterpreted. And um, so like that word 
you know, the God really triggered me, but you know, this book is so cool because it takes God from being that essence that's like above us Mm -hmm. and controlling or dominating. And you're supposed to fear him and like all this stuff and makes it so much more like someone who's your friend, like someone who's like your brother, someone who's your sister, um, your mother, your father. It's like so personable. God becomes so personable in this context and really he goes through, you know, religion, life, relationships, goes into things about how the universe works, even goes into things about like aliens and stuff, which is, I think is super fun and cool. And, um, I just, you know, really loved it. I've been, I don't really journal much, but this book I was reading it and there's just like stuff in there. And I just had this like real need to like write it down. I was like, I need to write that down. So I've just like, been writing down i just have like pages and pages and pages of all these truths that he's been speaking and um yeah you know every once in a while i just go back and read through it and it's just a really really beautiful book and i really in my heart do believe that this guy was channeling god through his writing and um a lot of that like a lot of that belief also comes from like my own experience where I would be reading something in the book and God's describing, you know, some sort of truth. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I saw. And like my ayahuasca ceremony, or that's what I saw my bogus ceremony. Like these are truths that I found in my own way. So it kind of validated what that the book was like, yeah, this is like real stuff. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how I felt. And, um, and and again, guys, this Sean doesn't like to read, so this says something. Yeah. <laughs> something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Sean, what? Okay, can you? So going a little back. Well, I want to. I want to hear about your bug experience because for me, yeah, I don't think you and I really talked about your bug experience too much. So, you know, for anyone, yeah. can you um, explain a little bit about what iboga is, and maybe you can talk about your experience of going in Costa Rica. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Iboga is a root um, from a tree in Gabon. And um, I believe it's a, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a root that they, they grind up and it's, you know, this tribe in Gabon was the only one that had access to it because it was the only place where it grew. And so they've been using it for centuries and, um, they use it in their daily life. I mean, even the children take it to play and like have fun. And, um, it's really cool. This tree, um, the nuts of the tree, you can look it up on Google. The nuts of the tree actually look like a human brain. Like, and I read this cool thing and it's like, whatever food, a lot of the times what a food looks like, that's what it's good for. Like, you know, kidney beans are like the shade of a kidney and they're supposed to be good for your kidney and like stuff like that. And like a carrot, when you cut it open and you look at it from the inside, it looks like an eye, like the iris and it's supposed to be good for your eyes. And like, so like this thing looks like a brain and it completely, you know, remaps your brain and rewires it. So that's a little bit about the background of it's a masculine plant, right? Yeah. It's a masculine plant. Um, it is, you know, ayahuasca is a lot like, you know, the mother where it's very soft and kind of like goes on these storytelling things and mystical. And, you know, there's beautiful music playing in ceremony. 
Um, Iboga is not like that. It's I quite the opposite. You, I remember after your first ceremony, you're like, the music. Oh my gosh, I do not like the music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the music is, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just so, it's just like random noises and like really off putting. There's no real rhythm to it. Like, if, it's which is weird because you never listen to music that doesn't have rhythm. This mm-hmm. is just sounds like a bunch of random like bing ding 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 ding. But like I don't know how to explain it. It was like and you're sitting there and have after having come from like ayahuasca, we're just sitting there like oh this music is so nice. <laughs> and then you're coming to this and you're just like why won't the music stop? Why why is this still going on? Which and, I thought because you know loves music. <laughs> I, yeah, and you know that that's that goes to all the perception thing, right? It's all perspective. I'm like, but at that point, I was like, this music is pissing me off, um, <laughs> and I couldn't stop thinking about it. But you know, the interesting thing about the music is that all the instruments that are played in the music is from what the, what happens is back early on when the tribe started using the the root it told them that they need to go out into the forest and collect these certain like plants and uh, things to make these instruments. So it literally taught the tribes people how to like these, make these instruments. Cause they're not like any normal instruments they are completely unique to this tribe. And so the, all these things you're hearing are things that the medicine has told them to make and also told them how to play and how to make these songs. So they say that the music serves a purpose to like rewire your brain, like the rhythms and patterns and everything are like rewiring your brain. And, uh, so it serves a purpose. And, you know, after the, usually after the first time you get very used to it, you're just like, kind of, this is just what it is, but surrendering. yeah. Yeah. Surrendering to it. Um, but I want to go back to, you know, how I got into Iboga. So I had, um, I'd heard about Iboga, my, when we all went to go do ayahuasca our first time and everyone, um, that I had spoken to in the spiritual community about Iboga, it's that like, Oh, that's the, that's the big kahuna. Like that's the yeah. big scary one. That's like very, very intense. And like, you have to be like super, uh, like strong or like very intense to want to go do this. Cause like, you know, you're sitting there and you don't move in the ceremony. You can be tripping for like more than a day and like all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, that one is not for me. So I'm not going to worry about that one. And, uh, but like all plant medicine, when it, you know, it's not about what you want, it's about what it wants. And it found its way into my life. I had planned, I had been on spring break from my last semester at university. And I was like, going to go to do, go do another ayahuasca ceremony. And this is right when COVID started breaking out. And so right as we were about to get into ceremony for our first ayahuasca ceremony of the week, they like called us off for a meeting. They're like, Hey, basically the country is shutting down here in Costa Rica. You all need to like, we're closing down the resort and everyone needs to go home. We're not going to do any plant medicine. I'm sorry. And I was like, all right, great. This sucks. Like everyone was super bummed. And it was so funny how the universe works. I had met a really good friend named Norman who's still living in Costa Rica in our first plant medicine ceremony. And we had kept in contact. He messaged me not even like 10 minutes after, like I had left my phone in like a locker to begin the week. 
And then I was like, all right, this all over. I better get my phone, talk to the family and like, let, like, let's start figuring stuff out. And he messaged me like 10 minutes after I got my phone, like, Hey Sean, um, I like, I don't know if you're in Costa Rica, but I'm at this Aboga wellness retreat and I believe yeah, that's what it's called the Aboga wellness retreat. And, um, with, uh, with a shaman named Levi and he's offering like a Corona special where instead of staying for, you know, paying for a week and staying for a week, you pay for a week and you get to stay for the whole month. And we're just all going to quarantine together and kind of like you, I was doing all finishing, you know, school went online at this point. So I was, was, you know, he's like, you know, you can study there's internet and then we're going to have like a ceremony every week. And there's only like five of us. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds like a sign, a very scary one, but (laughs) like, I guess, and literally without even like time to think, um, I was with my cousin Sinan, our cousin Sinan, and I was like, okay, Sinan, uh, I'm going like, I not even thought about, I was like, I'm just going to go to like Liberia, which is like 45 minutes away to go do, uh, Iboga for a month. And he's (laughs) like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to go do it. And so literally like pack my bag and I was uh, just left, you know, Sinan didn't come the first week. Um, and I went and then I got there. And as soon as I showed up, I was like, so freaking scared. I was like, so I'd never been so scared to do anything in my entire life that I just started crying. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, cause you know, I got there and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, we're having ceremony, our first ceremony. And like, like two hours after getting this, so I was like, Oh my God, like what is going on? Like I just got thrown into this. Now I'm doing a neat bogo ceremony in two hours. So I just started crying. And I, I like, you call me, yeah. said, did I do this? I said, I don't know. I just go meditate on it. Yeah. Right. And you know, that's the truth is like, no one knows what's best for you. You have to know yourself. And, um, I had called Raven. who's this beautiful soul. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, her, she's a shaman and, we were talking at that point and I then called her and I was like, can you just like, tell me about like what I should experience? And like, I don't know if I should do this. And like, I don't know if I'm strong enough or if I'm ready. And she's giving really good advice and told me, you know, just listen to your heart, just breathe. Everything's okay. Like you're not going to die. Like mm-hmm. you've done plenty of plant medicine. You can handle it. You're strong. And like, look, look at the other people that are doing it. If they can do it, you can do it too. And so I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, if you really, really don't want to do it, you don't have to. Like, she's like, you know, you can sit the first one out and just hang out and don't do it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And I think that's, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the ego, right? This is where the ego mm-hmm. starts kicking in. Being like, hey, yes. you know, trying to protect you. Yes, 100%. And looking back at it now, that's 100% what it was. Because while ayahuasca was like a really eye-opening experience for me and helped me heal a lot of traumas, um, Iboga was a big one for me that broke a lot of beliefs about what I could do with my life, like really made me see that anything is possible. And so there was a lot of these old, really strong beliefs that my ego had made that were like, and you know, the ego is not time-based. It doesn't exist in the, in the thing. So it knows, like it knows when you're going to go do something that it's going to break down. So like when it sees something that's just about to completely explode a part of you into, you know, the ether, it's like, no, 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 no. We are not doing this. And so, you know, thank God. 
and really happy. I ended up going into ceremony and doing it. And I guess I'll kind of explain what ceremony is like. So Iboga is unique because it's one where you get to like, you spend time, a lot of time beforehand with like a notebook um, before ceremony. And you kind of write down like 10 questions, 10 really important direct questions that you want to ask about yourself or what to do. You know, it could be anything like, why am I so angry? What are my passions? Which was a big one for me. Why, how, or how can I learn to let things go? You know, all these really questions, questions like that. And then, you know, I fold up the paper, you take it with you and you lay it next to your bed. And then, um, as ceremony starts, fire is a big part of it. And, you know, they like, like a little bonfire and set up chairs in a circle, like a circle around this fire with the shaman and the helpers all sitting around with you. And the shaman, in this case, it was Levi who's worked with the tribe and, um, it just starts talking about wisdom that's been passed on to him from the tribe and their elders. And this, you know, knowledge has been passed on to them from, you know, centuries. And it's just all really basic truths. And he's going, you know, talks for maybe 30, 45, 30 minutes. And then, um, all of a sudden he'll just like finish the story and then you'll just kind of sit there in complete silence and just hear like the crackling of the fire. Everyone's just kind of staring into the fire and he'll just get up and has this little like wooden box and it has the boga in it. And it's like a powder that they've ground up and we'll take like this wooden spoon and come around and give everyone like, you know, you have your water and gives everyone a scoop and just like scoops it in. You open your mouth and open up to the sky and he just scoops in like a big spoonful of this powder. And, um, you know, first time it just kind of like tastes like dirt or like, you know, it doesn't taste bad, but it's not like, Oh my God, I need to like spit this out. So like, if you're brave, you can sit there and like keep it in your mouth and like chew on it. And like, cause you know, it goes into your system faster through like chewing on it in your mouth. Um, or you can swallow it down with some water and everything. So the first night, yeah, I like swallowed, you know, a lot of it, but like kept some mouth chewing on it. And then he, you know, shaman goes back and sits down and he just continues talking. And then at that point he's like, all right, um, I'm just going to keep talking at this point and giving you guys wisdom. And once you start to feel it, just raise your hand. Don't say anything. Just raise your hand. And one of the, um, the helpers will come walk you to your, to your mattress. And Iboga is not like ayahuasca where, I mean, there are points sometimes in your ayahuasca experience where you're like, I can't walk. Cause you're like, so into the medicine, but Iboga is one where it's like right from beginning to end, like you, you're not walking really. So you raise your hand and they come like put their arm around you and you're kind of like wobbling. So I'm sitting there and he's talking and I'm literally like the last one there. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Everyone's like slowly raising their hands. And like, I'm not feeling anything. Like, you know, that typical like frustration of like, why am I not feeling it? Yeah. And you know, they having these thoughts, like, I guess I'm just not going to feel anything. And then like, as soon as I had this thought of like, I'm just, I guess I'm just not going to feel anything like the ceremony. Then all of a sudden I started hearing like helicopters and like, like bee noises. Mm-hmm. And it got to this point, I thought like a helicopter was flying over or something. And it was like, you know, a helicopter comes from far away, it's quiet. And then it uh-huh. gets louder and louder, it's passing over you. And then it got to a point where it was like over and it, it was just like, it was hovering. So I was like looking up into like the sky and I was like, what the heck? And then I realized, I was like, oh, I am, I am officially tripping. I'm hearing helicopters above my head. <laughs> so I raised my hand and I was like, yeah, 
I like your helicopters. I think it's time for me to go lay down. <laughs> so he like giggles and he's like, okay. So they go like, take me to my mattress. And, uh, how long, they give you a, it, how long did you think it took to hit, hit you? Um, for me, I think it was probably about an hour. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, maybe. But you know, it's hard to say. Cause like, obviously you're not like starting to watch, but it could have been like maybe 45 minutes, 30 minutes. I'd say like 45 minutes. Um, but it varied based on the nights. There was other nights where I was the first one to get up, you know? Yeah. Um, but so you go, they take you to your mattress and there's this like music playing and it's just like all tribal and like, at, for me at that point, annoying. <laughs> and they put a blindfold on you and you have the blindfold on the entire ceremony and you're just kind of lay there. And yeah, you just, uh, it feels, it's a difficult experience to describe, but your mind, it's a, an extreme stimulant. So your mind is just like racing at like a million miles an hour. It's just these thoughts zipping back and forth in your head. Like, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was just a lot of, yeah, go ahead. So what do they do with the questions? When does that come into play? So, yeah. So you're, you're laying there and, um, they come around and they'll continue feeding you the medicine as you're laying there. So like sporadically they'll come and it's in pill form at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's give you like, oh, like literally, like I must've had like 20 some pills throughout the night. Like they're giving you a lot. And when the shaman sees that you're like, or senses or feels, cause you know, the shamans, like in most ceremonies, they're taking some of the medicine too. Cause so they can like be in that place. They can like feel when you're in a like state of readiness and they'll come to you and they put like this powder on your third eye while you're behind you, while you're laying down and they're like, okay, like we're going to go on a journey now. Are you ready? And you're like, yes, I'm ready. And so they put the powder on and, um, then they like take your paper and then he starts talking and leading you on this journey. And it's really cool. He does like this tapping thing on your forehead mm-hmm. and he just taps and keeps tapping. And he'd be like, just let me know when you can see anything or if you can see my fingers. And you have your blindfold on, right? So you're not supposed to see anything. And then all of a sudden for me, there was a point where literally like in a second, it just went from black to like, boom. Like I could just see like all the, you know, we're in a Maloka, like a little, you know, Palopa. So like it's covered, but the Palopa was gone. And I could see all the trees and the stars and the moon and like the building of like where we're staying. And I could see his fingers like right above my forehead. And I was like, oh my God, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. (laughs) Um, You know, for me, it's frustrating because it's like sometimes with visions, as soon as you're like, oh my God, I can see it. And you get like all excited and wound up in it. Then it goes away and you're like, no, I can just see it. And so like, you have to just like relax into it and just let it be without getting like too much into like, I want to see more, like, you know, you just get excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically leads you on this journey to like the moon and you talk to the moon and he's like, he basically reads the questions to you in your ear. And then you ask those same questions and there's a voice different for everyone. But for me, it was just like a very clear, quick short response to all my things. It was not like a long drawn out thing. It was like oftentimes three word answers or two are very concise, but to the point answers to my question. Did it sound like yeah. You're yeah. Yeah. For me it sounded like my voice, but like a very calm, 
um, yeah, just like a very calm voice and like stern, like calm, but stern, like straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, that ceremony was all about like, what are my passions? And, you know, tell me your passions are racing and music. And I was like, okay. And then my next question was, how do I follow my passion? And then the long, this is the longest response it gave me. And it said, there'll be a point in your life where doors will open for you to follow the path towards your passion, but you have to be the one to walk through it. All you have to know is not how to get to where you want to be. All you have to do is follow your heart and every day and everything that you do and believe that you will get to where you want to be. And one day you'll find yourself there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, wonderful racing music. Okay. That's totally different from engineering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, like great. Um, and you know, I have, you know, our dad, our family's always been in the car business. I've always loved cars. And, um, I had gone to like a racing Academy, like a year before that dad had sent me for my birthday and, you know, did really well and like won all these prizes and stuff and finished first. But at that point in time, you know, and I had racing all the instructors being like, yo, how long have you been doing this? Like you should do this. And at that point in time, I was like, you know, I've never done anything like this before, but you know, I just kind of seen it as like, this was fun, but I don't see it as a career. And then this thing happened in ceremony. And I guess, you know, I, I wake up the next morning and well, I guess I kind of want to rewind just a little bit and explain the experience. Um, so whenever you move on Iboga, they say it's a root, so it doesn't like to move. So whenever you move, you get extremely nauseous, um, which is uncomfortable. Like even if you're just like moving onto your side, you get nauseous, like even a little movement like that. And if you take your blindfold off, even like the tiniest bit of light from like a fire or something has like these little like zip zippy lines that go across your visions and really disorientate you and make you nauseous. So like, it's not a very comfortable experience. Also not fun when you need to use the bathroom because you know, you're going to puke. Cause like you have to get up and have someone walk you. So like a lot of the times you get up and as you're walking to the bathroom, like through the grass, cause ours was just like a little hut out and you know, in the grass in the yard. And so as you're walking to the hut, you would like, okay, stop. I need to puke in my bucket or puke in the bush. And then, you know, you feel better, but you still feel nauseous because it's Iboga. But after, you know, ceremony ends when, the sun rises. So it's a little different than some of the ayahuasca ceremonies, much longer. And when the sun rises, by the way, the first, that first night, longest night of my life, like 100%, I was like, I can't, I feel like I've been, it's been nighttime for like a week. Like literally (laughs) my sense of time is so distorted. And there's points in time where you're like, cause it's such a stimulant. Your mind's racing so much. You're like exhausted Mm -hmm. and all you're just like staring, like you're, you're not, you're just like staring into your blindfold, hoping somehow that the sun is just going to rise. Like you give it a peek every once in a while. Like, <laughs> is it sunrise yet? No. Okay. No. Is it sunrise yet? No. Okay. Like literally. And it just finally sunrise and ceremony's over, but you're still like tripping so hard. Like you're still tripping really hard. And so like, all right, now it's time for everyone to have a long time. We're going to take you back to your rooms. If you need anything, just like, you know, yell for us and we'll come. But like, you probably won't be able to sleep, but just sit there with your thoughts. So you go back to your room and you're just like sitting there completely exhausted. Like 
the sun is up and it's bright outside and all you want to do is sleep because you've been up all night long and you just can't, it's really frustrating, but you, that there comes a point where you just like, let it be. And you have a lot of realizations then too. But you know, for me that, so I had that experience and all these messages and you feel like, especially after the first time you take it, you can feel really like kind of like flu, like, mm. um, after taking it for the first time. So like the whole day after, like I was just in bed, like sweating, which is a form of purging. And I couldn't even go outside. Like I had to stay in the AC. Cause as soon as I would try and step outside, I would just feel like so energy drain, like flu, like where I was like, I can't even stand up. I just have to go back to my bed. I couldn't really eat. Didn't really want to drink. So I think it was like at nighttime, I finally had like the energy to like pick up my phone and like call you guys and the family. And I was talking to dad and he was like, you know, house ceremony. And I was like, Oh, it was good. But you know, I wasn't really going into much cause I was just didn't have the energy to like explain everything. Yeah. And dad's like, okay, well, like, I just want to let you know that Dr. Plaska, who's like our family friend knows this famous race car driver. And he was telling me that if uh, you're interested. He's looking for someone to mentor. So maybe when you come back from Costa Rica, we could all could get lunch. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like <laughs> literally the door that it was talking about. So I was like, yes, dad, let's do it. Um, thank you universe. Thank you, God. Shout out to you. So, yeah. Synchronicity. And you know, that is such, a, I'm so grateful. So blessed. That's literally led me to what I'm doing now, sitting here in the UK racing for a team I just could never have imagined all the, and that's the, that's the funny thing about life. We always try to understand how everything's going to happen, but life is just so freaking complicated and complex. There's no possible way you could understand how everything is going to line up to bring you where you are now in this moment. And it's just taught me so much about trust in the universe, just trusting and like set your intention about what you want for yourself, who you want to be, and then shoot that intention out into the universe through your thoughts and your words and your heart. And that intention is like an arrow that pierces through the dimensions. And all you have to know and trust is that it hits its target. And you don't need to know how you're going to find your way to that target. You just need to trust that you'll make it there. Yeah, and don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, you know, it's a big part of what I'm doing now. Like, I have people, you know, I'm 26 years old and a lot of these kids started racing when, you know, and for those of you who don't know, like I, I'm, I'm a race car driver now, like I'm racing at the beginning parts of my career. And I have people tell me all the time that like, you know, you started too late or you can't do this. And that's just not a truth of the universe of reality. Anything is possible. Everyone grows and develops at their own individual rate. There's no timeline that's meant for everyone and everyone goes about things in their own place and time, what's meant for them. And so like this big part of what I'm doing now is like going on this journey, like for myself, because it's what I love and I'm passionate about, but also for like all the people out there to see like, well, if he can do it, why can't I? And that's such a truth. Like if anyone, literally, if anyone can do anything, you can too, because we are all that same source. We are all that one energy. We're just different reflections of that same energy. So if someone else can do something you and you believe in it, you can do it too. And so like, I just want to be an example for all those people and show them that like, yes, this is possible. Yes, you can do it. And, um, yeah, I'm just so blessed to, to be able to do what I'm doing. And I just don't want to hear anymore. Like 
people telling kids like, oh, you can't do this. Like if a kid, that's my biggest pet peeve is like when I hear people tell kids, like kids are the ones that have the most potential, like they're so young and like so untampered and like still they're, they're like onion doesn't have any layers on it. And like, they're so pure and like us as adults and like people as parents, they're the ones that are putting these limitations on the kids and the kids aren't even putting it on themselves and they don't know any better, but to believe what these older people are telling them. And we should be encouraging kids every single day, not only kids, but adults, teenagers, anyone telling everyone you can do whatever you want. As long as you believe it, it'll happen. And it may not happen now. Let go of your expectations of when it's going to happen. Let go of the timeline, but just understand that if it's in your heart and you're putting your heart into it, it will happen. An important part of manifesting that is also letting go of any expectation at all. So that means even the expectation of it happening, you know, which is kind of contrary to what we're talking about because you're like, but you have to set the intention of what you want, but then also let it go. And then just, you know, do like be and put in the work and it'll happen. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, also people projecting themselves on you when they say that you can't do mm-hmm. something is actually they, because they believe that they can't do it. And, you know, we, like you were saying, I think it's so beautiful and you're such a great example of that. And for me, even though I'm your older sister, you always push <laughs> me and you always show me that anything is possible like just by you living your dreams and your passions and that, yeah, we're all an infinite, we all are an infinite, you know, being from source and that anything mm-hmm. is possible. And, you know, that's just going back to also fear, you know, fear is just an illusion of false evidence appearing real. And, you know, you can literally do anything. And I think I'm really proud of you, Sean. I love you so oh, much. Thanks. I'm proud of you too. I mean, look at this podcast. This podcast is sick. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you had told me like a year or two years ago that we'd be sitting here doing a podcast or that, and then I would be over here in the UK and you'd be sitting in a studio making an incredible podcast to like help all these people remember I'd be like okay yeah but like here you are I'm so proud of you too like you're such a beautiful beautiful soul such a wonderful sister family member friend and you're just I think more than any of us you're like the one that stays connected with the medicine the most and like the purity of it and like the practice like you're so good at staying in the practice And, you know, that's so important because like the medicine can only show you so much experience can only show you so much, but you have to be the one that puts it into practice every day. And you're really, really good about staying in the practice, staying in your meditation, staying with like, you know, your sage and like your, your words of affirmations, all the stuff you're really, so you're an example for me as well. And I think obviously an example for all these people out here, because you're making this podcast, spreading the light and the love and like helping people remember. It's awesome. Oh, thank you, Shawnee. Yeah. And you know, like, I think, you know, and it's something that I'm learning is to um, embrace, like, even what you're telling me. And like, yes, I am um, for me at self-love is something that I'm working on and accepting, you know, learning to accept what people are saying um, and take it in and just gratitude. You know, I'm, and it's all practice, right? We're all not perfect. So even myself, even when I do these things, sometimes, you know, I've been going through my own healing recently. And there's days like when I really, really just don't want to show up and it's really hard, but I'm just mm-hmm. learning to like surrender to that. And what we were talking about earlier, just trusting that we don't know, we don't need to know the how and why it's happening. It just knows for our highest and self 
good and that everything is going to work out. And, you know, just like what you're saying, mm-hmm. put the intention out there and just focus on that and don't worry about what anyone else says or thinks or does. And that's what I think I love so much about our, there's many things I love about our family, but the one thing that I love so much is that we're just true to who we are mm-hmm. and we live from our heart. And, you know, when we do that, it doesn't matter what anyone else says, because we know that we're doing it from with, the, with pureness and that's all that matters. And that's something that I really even been, you know, saying to myself is that, my, I don't owe anyone an explanation. I owe it to myself and to higher source and God. And, you know, anyone else can think whatever they want to want to think. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it brings back an interesting point to like this book, the, the complete conversations with God. And in the book, God says the only thing like our culture has gotten like things mixed up a little bit because we associate being selfish as like a bad thing. But he said the best thing you can do for yourself, but also for others is to like put yourself first and do what's right for you. And by like speaking your truth and acting out your truth, even if you don't realizing realize it and the other people don't realize that you're helping the whole earth as a whole, like come into synchronicity and work as it's meant to. So yeah, I, I think what you're saying is really good. And um, you know, it's funny. I, I think you know, all, all life is, is about helping each other remember. Mm-hmm. And so even, you know, I'll go, I'll talk with friends and have spiritual talks and like, just like we're doing right now, I just kind of get like, I, sometimes I just get carried away and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I just get on these like flows of like information. And sometimes like, I'm not even really thinking about what I'm saying and I just say it. And then, you know, as soon as I say it, it's almost like, it's a, a, a reminder to myself, yeah. like, Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm saying this and I need to remember that for myself. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why I also think it's like, this is a beautiful thing for you to be doing in your podcast. Cause you get to speak to all these amazing people and have these conversations and you get to remind each other and like the, this, what would otherwise just be a conversation between you and another person helping each other. Remember you're allowing like, all these other people to listen in and be remembered too. So it's like, it's a really beautiful thing. Oh, thank you so much, Shawnee. And you know, I, if I've caught myself saying when I'm talking to people, Oh yeah, you know what? That advice I'm giving is also for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> well, uh, life's a practice, man. It is. And it's just an experience, right? We're just a soul and a body having an experience. And I've just mm-hmm. you know, I've been remembering that. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm just, I like you, I'm just so grateful and I can never put it into words. And, you know, I think it'd be beautiful if we, you, mom, dad, and I all did a podcast together in episode. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, it'd be funny. It'd be funny to have dad on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get dad over here. I told him, I said, dad, you're going to be on here when they just starts laughing. I'm like, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just how he did. He probably, you know, he laughed the same way about ayahuasca, like where he ended up. So he'll be on the podcast. Yeah. Is there anything? I know you said so many beautiful things. Is there any piece of advice? If you could give one advice to people about plant medicine, what would it be? My one advice. And again, just like we're saying, this is something that I still work with and I'm working on. And I guess it's a two part thing. It's, I'm not even going to say it's a two part, three part, because it might end up being longer, but my best advice would be set your intention about 
what you want, what do you want to get out of it? And if you don't know necessarily what you want to get out of it, then leave that up to the medicine and say, please, you know, show me what I need to see or show me what I, you know, what is best for me. And then once you set your intention, completely let go of all your expectations about what you're about to see. That means let go of like someone last night just said that they saw a bunch of visions or whatever, or whatever it is like, let go of all of those. Then third, really try to be non-judgmental of your experience and let go and just let go and go with the flow. So that means like if you're experiencing something that you may not understand at the moment or have foreseen, just let it be there because it serves a purpose. And sometimes you may not even understand why that was happening until your next ceremony or maybe a month later or months later, a year later. So everything serves its purpose. Just let it be. And then just go with the flow and allow whatever happens to happen. And if you ever get, you know, my, the big, one of my big lessons was like, you know, if you ever get scared or really overwhelmed, your breath is like an anchor back to reality. Um, Cause there's a lot of times where you feel out of body or you just feel like completely in the ethos and like really disorientated and a little scared. If you just go back to following your breath, that's like an anchor that will make you feel safe and grounded. Mm. So just like coming back and breathing and focusing on in and out and out, that'll help you relax and whatever's coming is going. So whatever experience you're having, it's, you know, it's in the process of going out. So don't get too stressed out about it. It's all part of the experience. Beautifully said. I totally agree. And just, you know, going with an open heart and open mind. And I mean, that for me, when my first experience in ayahuasca, I just, I said, okay, I'm ready. Just take me. And then that's when I had the conversation with my soul and that's complete surrender like just surrendering mm-hmm. so I really agree with what you say and so beautiful thank you so much sean i love you so oh, much. i love you so much thanks so much for having me you're welcome we're gonna do another episode this one i think she has to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good love you aya thank you <laughs> and we have a little medicine doggy here yes yeah and see this is the beautiful thing about the medicine you know like you know naming uh, this is not my intention of naming her ayahuasca, but you know, when people are saying her name, the medicine is resonating and vibrating yeah. into the world, which I think just medicine works in so many beautiful ways. And, you know, everyone for that's listening, I, of course, as you already know, this is my brother and I love him. I love him so much more than you can ever possibly know. And if you ever want to follow him on his journey, I will post where you can find him. And he's just an amazing role model and example for anyone, just for every honestly aspect you teach me and, and remember, like for me, how to be a better person, how to grow and just to how to follow your path. I think you are possibly one of the biggest role models in my life for following your passion. And I think that's something people really need to remember, especially with everything that's going on in the world right now, because anything is truly possible. 100%. 100%. Thanks so much. Love you so much. I love you too, Shawnee. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to the Coming Back Home podcast. You can connect with me on social media platforms such as Instagram at Coming Back Home. 
Please like, share, and subscribe for more conscious, heartfelt, and healing content. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review of my podcast on Apple or the website comingbackhome.co. Remember, it's a calling back home to the essence of who we are and who we are called to be in this lifetime. May God always bless and guide you, my brothers and sisters, and lots of love and light as always.